Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Bay Area, it's time for Bay Area Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Bay Area Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Leah Davis Coaching, inspiring women of color to claim their wealth legacy. Today on Bay Area Business Radio, we have Pamela Michelle Tate. Welcome, Pamela. Good morning, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. Now, before we get into things, can you talk a little bit about the work you're doing? Sure. I'm currently serving as Executive Director of Black Women Revolt Against Domestic Violence. Um, I'm a domestic abuse advocate. I also serve as a community organizer for an educational um, organization that helps families with 50, excuse me, with 504s and IEPs for children who have learning needs that are special. Now, how did you get called for this kind of work? It's very um, kind of mission driven. It is. Um, a few years ago, actually 15 years ago, um, one of my friends was murdered by her husband and was a um, victim of domestic abuse. Um, at that time, it just became very important for me to help um, help others and to help keep her voice going so that people know that there are people who are willing to help them get out and to help survivors find a place of safety on their own so that they can live healthy lives. Now, if someone's called to live this kind of life and to dedicate their career to this kind of work, what are some advice you can share to get started? Because it seems overwhelming on one end where there's so much need and then being one person, like how much can you do to help them? How, how did you kind of elevate the work from you as an individual to just kind of serving a community like you are? Well, I'll go backwards. I started with just thinking if I was in a domestic abuse situation and I left my home without anything, what would I need? What would I need first? And so I started off with doing drives, asking friends to donate new clothing, um, journals, gift cards for Target, um, different things that children might need, toiletries, and I donated it to shelter. Um, because I had a full-time job. And then I decided that I was interested in diving in a little deeper and um, took the domestic violence advocate class, which is a 40-hour class, which I now currently teach, um, so that I could respond to um, domestic abuse survivors um, through the crisis line, through advocating for them for housing, um, being able to help them with applying for public assistance and jobs and different things that they might need. So every kind of the next step kind of organically evolved from the previous step? Yes, for sure. Um, initially, it just was kind of like shock that my friend was no longer here and I saw the needs immediately of what her children needed. And so thinking if I was in that situation, what could I do to help? Um, or what kind of help that would I need? And then I provided that type of assistance. So now at some point you decided to write uh, some books to help folks. How did that kind of become part of the service that you're doing? Um, my books are really, really kind of just organically evolved from where I was in, in my life. My first book is A Girl's Journey. There's no crying in baseball. And it's about my daughter who's now 19. Um, I wrote it about her playing baseball. Um, she started when she was five. She has a brother who's 
18 months older than her. And so it was easier for the kids to play together. And so we took her to my son's baseball practice and the rest is history. Um, She struggled with being the only girl on a team of boys and um, got to middle school and was readily accepted through Little League, but got to middle school and decided to try out and immediately was shooed over to playing or attempting to play softball. Um, They said it was a boys baseball team. And so that's a whole nother story um, that evolved into her just last week, completing and competing, um, playing in the National Girls Baseball Championship, Baseball for All National Tournament. Um, She is a four-time national champion um, in baseball with her team, Evolution Baseball Team. And so we're extremely proud of her. Um, And now there are more girls playing, which is also awesome. Um, My second book was I'll Fly Away, which was most recent. Um, It's a 31-day devotional for caretakers. And I wrote that book because I was caretaking for my mother, um, who recently just passed away. Um, She had stage four breast cancer, um, but she ultimately died of pneumonia and paralysis. And so um, as I was taking care of her for a year and a half, it just became important for me to have a place to kind of center myself. And I decided to write this devotional to kind of help caretakers who were experiencing what I was experiencing. You have the five stages of grief when you're caring for someone. Of course, you love them, but there's denial. There can be anger. um, There can be depression. There can be complete overwhelm. And then in between there, there's joy and there's love and there's acceptance and there's peace. And so focusing on those themes, I created a caretaker's journal so that people could have a place to just kind of write what they were feeling. Um, It's almost like a diary format. There's a prompt and then um, you focus on that prompt and just journal. And so it was very um, cathartic to do that. And finally, my final book is I'm a part of an anthology called My Walk Past Hell, which kind of ties back into what I'm currently doing um, as a domestic abuse advocate. Um, My chapter is on my sexual assault when I was 19 years old and in college and just talking about how I got from there to um, finding myself again and being able to move forward. Um, you know, of course, seeking counseling and the nurturing people that were around me and, and dealing with things like post-traumatic stress, um, as well as um, depression. And so those are how, that is how those books evolved. Now, uh, in your work, a lot of it, of your work is for serving others and helping others go through difficult times. How important is it for an individual that is in that kind of work to invest some time back in themselves in terms of self-care? Because a lot of folks who are in these roles of a caregiver or someone who's advocating for others spends a lot of time on the others. And um, it's easy to not invest the time back in themselves to help themselves be strong enough to keep serving those others. Exactly. And thank you. That is such a great point. Um, When I was in college, I studied psychology. And so I have a degree in psychology. And, um, you know, as a psychology student or anyone working in social service field, it's important and imperative 
that you have supervision. Um, most people classify it as supervision where you're meeting with someone to process things. Um, it's important if you're a psychiatrist or working specifically with psychiatric type patients that you have someone that you are meeting with regularly to discuss things with and discuss projection and to discuss um, taking care of yourself. I have self-prescribed myself or described myself as the self-care queen. Um, initially, um, before I graduated, I was not good at self-care, but now I recognize it's so important um, at the end of every day. And I mean, at the end of every day, when I walk off of work, I go and I take 20 minutes to myself. I sit in the car and I do nothing. Um, I will drink a glass or a bottle of water and I just kind of sit there and kind of decompress in my own mind and kind of go, okay, now it's time for me to transition to go home whatever home may entail. It might be children's homework. It might have been um, previously my children's um, sports activities. They're all in college now, and so I don't have to worry about that. But it's just so important to have that space for yourself and identify that you need to have that and to do special things for yourself. Um, In the DV class, domestic violence advocate class that I'm teaching We have a whole session where we talk about self-care and different things that you can do for yourself on a daily basis to take care of yourself. It could be something that's free all the way up to having a splurge vacation that you save for. So um, self-care or a form of self-care is listening to your favorite music, reading a book, reading a self-help book, writing a poem, um, coloring, drawing something for someone else or participating in art. Um, Maybe it's a sip and paint. It might be going for a walk and then coming home and taking a bath. It can be something as simple as having a glass of wine after you have dinner. It could be calling a friend that you haven't talked to in a few months. So I'm really, really big on encouraging myself and others to participate in self-care. I have a a talk that I do where I say you can't pour from an empty vessel. And if you haven't taken care of yourself, it's extremely difficult to take care of someone else. And so it's just really important. And that's how I manage to make sure that I'm taking care of myself through self-care. Now, isn't it ironic that folks that dedicate their lives to serving others have a difficult time giving themselves permission to be cared for by themselves or by others? Um, Why do you think there is that kind of it's almost a guilt that if I'm spending time on myself, I'm not helping somebody else. That, right. um, and that is a good way to put it. We think, you know, there's, there's always someone who's a little more worse off than you are. And so when, when you are giving yourself permission to take care of yourself, you know, it doesn't take away from taking care of others, but it is definitely a mind shift to focus on. I have to be well in order to take care of someone else. Because again, if you're empty, you're just trying to pour something that's empty into another empty cup. You have to be full in order to give to others or at least have some kind of baseline, um, you know, in you to pour into someone else. And if you're functioning on autopilot or you're empty or, you know, floundering and just not content or satisfied or feeling fulfilled, it's hard to give others, give to others who are especially needy. Now, um, there's a lot of folks out there that are, especially through the pandemic, they, they've been just kind of overwhelmed and there's a lot of chaos in their lives. Is there any advice that you could share to help a person kind of get through when life throws you a lot of these curveballs 
to be able to just kind of take that breath and to live that best life that they aspire to live? Is there anything they can do to kind of take some action in order to live their best life? I would say it all starts with you. And, you know, for some people, it's actually you have to humble yourself and just admit that you don't feel well and it's okay to not feel well. Um, you know, it's, it's okay. You have to acknowledge it so that you can move forward. And I, I said, I really suggest that, you know, you reflect and just kind of be aware that, um, you know, this is not normal. This pandemic is not normal. Um, the response to COVID has not been normal. This is not our normal lives and you're not alone because no one is suffering alone. The whole world has come to a axis point that it has shifted and it's okay not to be happy with what's going on. It's okay to not like what's going on. It's okay to decide I no longer feel comfortable in the work that I'm currently doing. Um, I might want to make a bunch more money. I might decide I'm making a bunch of money and I really just want to spend time serving people. It's okay to express those feelings and acknowledge those feelings in yourself. And if need be, it's also okay to reach out and speak to a friend and ask for a confidential conversation. It is also okay to decide that you need to go to therapy and talk to someone who's completely neutral and who is just going to listen and kind of help you work through whatever those feelings are. There is no shame in getting help. Yeah. Amen to that. And then um, everybody needs help. I mean, at certain points in your life, sometimes you're the helper and sometimes you're the helpy, but you don't have to do things alone. There's a lot of folks out there that are willing and able to help if you ask. Exactly. And if you take the step to help the other other folks, you'll find that it's going to come back around to you. So I think that in today's world, especially when there is so much chaos, that it's important for people to step up and help others as well as raise their hand when they need help to say, hey, give me a hand here. Right. And that's one of the great things that we've or I've experienced in the pandemic is people are willing to help other people. I've seen um, we had a 33 percent increase in domestic abuse calls to our crisis line and people we're like, wow, people are stuck at home now with their abusers and now children are at home seeing abuse that they hadn't previously seen. And people were kind and donated food and clothing. And we had a, a company here in San Francisco that loaned 20 vacant units for families to go into if they were escaping domestic abuse, which had never previously happened. But recognizing that this is now... Um, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic and there's no place for people to go, um, making that available to people. And, you know, San Francisco is a pretty high rent city. Um, those units were ranging from $2,500 to up to $4,200 a month that they loaned to people to escape domestic abuse, um, in addition to all of the shelter spaces that were full. So I've seen some really, really great things that have taken place during this pandemic. Wow. Now, um, in October, you're planning a summit called the Live the Life You Deserve Summit. Can you talk a little bit about that and how people can kind of get involved? 
Yes, um, I'm really excited about it. I normally do an annual women's retreat, which takes place during Women's History Month, which is March. And we didn't get to have it this year, obviously, due to COVID. But um, I've been on Zoom and doing lots of meetings on Zoom and um, got to experience a virtual retreat and just kind of said, you know, I'm going to trans transition my in-person retreat to online because um, as we're talking, people are are really trying to live their best life. And we're all kind of in transition as we're coming out of the pandemic and people really need and want to connect with others and to talk about things about mind, body, um, spirit, business development, um, how to continue on with their own businesses or if, if they've been at home and, and they're pivoting from a workplace and deciding that they want to stay home, what is that going to look like? And so I'm really excited to be able to present this summit um, and to meet with other people, not just women now, um, that are going to talk about things about financing and getting your life in order, um, developing new business ideas, writing books from the soul, um, people who've always wanted to write that great novel, people who are coaches and, and work with children or work with kids with special needs. And so we're going to pull the whole gamut together and, and run that virtually. Um, it'll be available at www.livethelifeyoudeserve.com, excuse me, livethelifeyoudeservesummit.com. And um, we're looking forward to it. The dates are October the 15th through the 17th, 2021. It is all virtual. It is free. You can sit in your home, log in. There's a schedule. It'll tell you who's speaking and what their topics are. And there'll be a workbook that you can download with contact information of the people who spoke if you want additional information. And I'm just really happy to be able to present it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you. Thank you so much, Leah. I appreciate being here and I appreciate Leah for the opportunity as well to sit down and speak with you today. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Bay Area Business Radio.